Morning. What a great story we got this week. And this story plays right off of the account of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. At least if you included the, the following chapter, the section about Elijah going into the wilderness and hearing the still small voice. This story, Naaman and Elisha, uh, illustrates so wonderfully and so uh, completely how that still small voice of God works and how God comes to us hidden in these insignificantly insignificant earthly things. God works through things we would never expect him to work through, and it's his promise, it's his strength, it's his power at work, but it's at work through the water and in, in simple ways. And we're just going to see that so well in this story. That's, that's the point we really want to get across uh, when we're teaching this story, uh, this idea that God reveals himself and comes to us and helps us and gives us his promises in these these very simple ways that we wouldn't expect and which we often sometimes even despise because we think that God should come to us with all the pomp and ceremony uh, of a king uh, or a, an earthly way of doing it. So, you know, law and gospel here, we look for, humans have a tendency to tendency to look for grandeur and pomp uh, and really be fixated on the the outer things uh, but God comes to us in quiet ways calling us to repentance and his power at work in us through these these quiet ways especially with the older kids bring by all means bring up the definition of the means of grace what is the means of grace the means of grace is the gospel in the word and the sacraments and if there's one thing i want to make sure that the confirmation kids walk away from confirmation class with it's that understanding that what is the means of grace the means of grace is the way in which god gives us his gifts right the means of grace the means by which he gives us his gifts and it doesn't come through us searching the earth and going to the ends of the earth and finding some special uh, flower on some high mountain that we can brew a portion with, a potion with, and then God works through that push. No, it comes through the means of grace, the word and the sacraments, which are so simple and lowly from an earthly perspective, but all the power of God is in them. And that's what we see in the story of Naaman and Elisha. So anyway, Second uh, Kings chapter 5. Uh, and somehow I got on the wrong page here in my in my Bible. Um, sorry, I had it open there, but that's okay. Okay, so it starts out with this uh, account of, or this reference to Naaman. Naaman is the commander of the king of Syria. Some Bibles say the king of Aram. Uh, different names for the same country, Aram, Syria, same country, it doesn't matter. Anyway, Naaman's a commander. He's this great, he's this mighty man. And Again, you know, that, that plays into this whole thing. Here's the commander, the general of the army. Here is somebody who is used to pomp and circumstance and having all the very best. He's used to the power comes with all the trappings that we usually expect from an earthly perspective. That's what Naaman's used to. And that's the way we often look for God too and, and look for God's power uh, if left to our sinful nature. Uh, so that, that kind of plays right in here too. Um, anyway, he 
he was a, a brave man. He was a warrior, but he had a skin disease. My translation says skin disease. Other translations say leprosy. Uh, leprosy, as, as the word is used in the Bible, is a much broader than we use it today. It really just meant any kind of skin disease. Uh, this guy is in Syria, so he doesn't have the restrictions placed on him that he would have had replaced on him if he were living in Israel. In Israel, God's people were commanded that anyone with any kind of leprosy, any kind of skin disease, was to be put outside the city, was to be cut off from the people of God until that disease healed. Now, some forms of leprosy, or, or leprosy as we know it, doesn't really heal, but there are other skin diseases that do, of course. And so, you know, some people, they, they did get healed from um, other skin diseases. But anyway, um, so if he had been part of Israel, he would have been put outside the camp. And the reason is because a skin disease is a sign of uncleanness. And the thing that God was trying to impress upon the people of Israel with all of the Old Testament laws. Uh, well, there's three main things, right, that God was trying to impress upon the, the people of Israel. Number one, that God is holy. So many of the laws separate the people from God himself to, to teach us that we're sinful. We cannot come into the presence of God. Number two, that only that which is holy and perfect is allowed in God's presence. And so, of course, God doesn't care about our skin. He doesn't care if our skin has blemishes, right? That's not what's going to keep us out of heaven. What's going to keep us out of heaven is if our soul, our spirit has blemishes, if we're unclean spiritually, if we're sinful, that's what keeps us out of the presence of God. But here is a visible, tangible way in which God is teaching his people this lesson. If, if you're blemished, if you're impure in your skin, you, you can't be part of the people of God. You can't be come into the temple. Uh, you have to remain outside. And, and it was really there just to impress upon the people this fact that sinners cannot come into the presence of God. Those who are unclean cannot come into the presence of God. But of course, we know Jesus died for our sins, so even though our souls are are filled with uncleanness we're washed clean in his blood now we, we can come into the presence of god but anyway uh naaman's not a part of israel you know he doesn't quite have this the same stigma necessarily in syria he's the commander of the armies he goes on raids he brings back this young israelite girl um she's the one who tells him you know if you'd only go to the prophet in samaria samaria is the capital city of israel the northern ten tribes right so if you would go to the the prophet in samaria the prophet in israel she's talking about elisha he would be able to hear you and you see that simple faith of that girl the knowledge that god can heal diseases and that he does through his 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 prophet so Naaman went, and you, you can see that Naaman's really just grasping at straws here, right? Uh, and you know, a lot of times people with deadly, sickly diseases, they do that. Might as well try anything, because if, if otherwise Naaman's in for a world of hurt. It's a very painful disease, leprosy. Skin's falling off, very painful. So he's willing to try anything. Well, we'll, we'll go see if the prophet can heal me. Uh, what's he got to lose, right? Maybe he loses a few weeks of travel time, but... He gets to see Israel. Anyway, so he goes, he talks to his master, the king of Syria. He gets a letter uh, from the king of Syria, Syria to the king of Israel. He goes to the king of Israel. And, of course, the king of Israel tears his clothes. What are you doing? Why, are you, why do you think that I can heal you of your disease? You're just looking for an excuse to start a war with me. And if we were in the king of Israel's position, we probably would have thought the same thing. Well, obviously, I can't cure leprosy. Uh, obviously, the, something else has got to be going on here. He's just looking for an excuse. 
Uh, but here again, we see that same theme that we talked about at the beginning. God uses this, this slave girl, this young slave girl. In the eyes of the world, she's nothing, isn't she? She's a little girl that was captured. Her parents are probably dead. Uh, who knows what happened to her parents? Uh, she's taken as a slave, an orphan, a little girl orphan, taken as a, as a slave, the lowest of the low. And yet God uses her to proclaim the truth to Naaman. Meanwhile, the king of Israel, he doesn't even think about asking God for help. He doesn't even think about sending Naaman to uh, Elisha, uh, he, you know, here's the one that in, in our worldly way of thinking, we think, yeah, he's a king. He's got all the power. If anyone is going to have answers, he's the one who's going to have answers. Yet he doesn't have the answers. He can do nothing. Whereas this little slave girl with her simple faith in God is able to testify and witness uh, to God. And so the Lord uses her. By the way, we have to make sure we stop and think about this here. God did not necessarily caused the girl to be taken as a slave now he used her in that position uh, and we that's a that's a point we have to really uh you know drive home that god does not want sinful things to happen he does he does not want people to be hurt he does not want people to be taken uh as slaves to, to a foreign country it's not his will that bad things happen that sinful things happen but when people do sinful things, God often uses them, knowing that they're going to happen. He uses them uh, for his purposes. He knows how to how to turn those situations into good things. So we can't necessarily say, oh, yeah, yeah, God had, you know, God had a plan that he, he made this girl be taken into slavery. Uh, you know, he made the choice that that was going to happen. Uh, she was taken into slavery um, and God allowed it. And then God uses it. He he uses her simple faith to proclaim the word to Naaman. Uh, so anyway, the little girl she's able to testify about God, you know, correctly, and, and the king of uh, king of Israel is not. Uh, when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel tore his clothes, so Elisha hears about this. Maybe God told him. Uh, you know, maybe the people of Israel were talking about it. The girl said that Elisha was living in Samaria, or at least very close to Samaria, uh, the capital city. So maybe it's not that far away from the king. We don't know exactly where Elisha is. But anyway, Elisha hears about it. He sends his messenger to the king kind of rebuking the king is there no prophet of god in, in israel why are you worried about this just send him to me and i'll take care of him and so um naaman comes to elisha and notice elisha does not even go out to meet him and again there's that that worldly thinking naaman thinking i'm big i'm important you know uh, surely people are going to help me out. Uh, surely this Elisha, this prophet, is going to come out and, and be so impressed with all my riches and, and my important station in life. But, of course, God does not look at people the way that men looks at people. God does not regard the station of people's life. Uh, God looks at the heart. And uh, Elisha is reflecting that that God, what God wants is repentance in the heart. He doesn't care if you're king of Syria or if you're a lowly slave girl. It doesn't matter to him. And so this act of Elisha sending out a servant uh, to confront Naaman, uh, rather than coming out himself, was really a call a, a call to Naaman to repent, to change his way of thinking, to humble himself in the sight of God and not, not think of, of himself as such a big man, a big important person. And of course, we all need to learn and remember that when we, we come before God, come in lowliness, come in humility, not thinking important things about ourselves. 
So Elisha sends the sends the servant out, and then here again, here we get really the heart of it. He sends the servant out, and the servant says, "Go wash seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be clean." Now this is totally bonkers from Naaman's way of thinking, right? And, and from our way of thinking too. You got a, a disease like leprosy; it's going to be really hard to cure, right? You're going to have to do something really hard in order to cure it. If it were easy to cure it, everyone would be cured. And you know, if God is going to do something magical, He's going to do it with lights and, and make it showy and grandeur, and, and then we, we really want to see the power of God. That's not how God works, is it? It's just this simple thing, go and wash seven times in the Jordan. And this this happens to us over and over and over again in our lives. We, we see this again and again. We, we see it with baptism, don't we? Uh, baptism is this amazing gift from God by which he comes to us and makes us his children, washes us clean of our sins, and makes us the children of God. And when we, when we talk about baptism, what amazing thing it is, then when we go to get our children baptized we're, we're kind of expecting fireworks it's supposed to be this amazing thing and a lot of times we even try and make it uh you know into this grand thing which is fine there's nothing you know nothing wrong with that get the baby all dressed up and you know sing lots of joyful hymns there's nothing wrong with that but at the heart of it the real thing that's actually happening the real important thing it's the simplest thing in the world you pour a little water over and you say in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit i baptize you and that's it and that's God's power at work there, making this child his his child, making this baby his child, making us his child, forgiving our sins, giving us all the promises that are with baptism, and just such a, a simple, simple thing. And it just sometimes just leaves us flabbergasted, like we're just like, that's it? There should be more. Why isn't there more? <laughs> but that's not how God works, and that's one of the so amazing things about our God, that, that he just he gives us these amazing gifts, in just the simplest forms and Naaman, oh he gets angry well this is ridiculous you know i'm not gonna go bathe in that bathe in the jordan that's not gonna do any good if the jordan could heal people of leprosy then there wouldn't be any leprosy in israel you know you can just think of all the excuses he's thinking about the jordan river by the way was a filthy dirty river you know you don't think of nice clean water running running across stones uh you know think of brown green algae filled dirty dirty river uh it's not one that you look at it and say oh yeah that's where i want to bathe and get clean that makes no sense that's a pretty dirty river and uh naaman says wait if, if all i have to do is bathe the river well the, the rivers back in syria are, are better i'll go back home and bathe there now again the lord what does the lord do he uses naaman's servant uh, he uses Naaman's servant to to talk sense into Naaman, right? You might as well try it, Naaman. You, you came all this way, you know, if if the prophet had told you to climb the highest mountain, you would have done it gladly. You might as well try this simple thing. It's going to take you two minutes. Just go try it. And that's part of it, too, that Naaman is obviously upset here that Elijah wouldn't even come out. You know, his pride is hurt. And uh, so he's kind of what's the phrase you know cutting off his nose to spite his face here uh part of the reason he doesn't want to do it is just to, to show elijah that he doesn't have to do what he says well anyway but um so the servant uh convinces him to to go and wash in the water and naaman goes down dips himself seven times according to the command of the man of god 
and when he came up the seventh time his skin was restored and became like the skin of a small boy now the number seven is important uh the number seven is used over and over in the bible for the work of god right seven days of creation of uh, the complete work of god but so the number seven is important it's symbolic in the bible but it's not the seven it's not the fact that he bathed seven times that cleanses him the power isn't in the number the power isn't in the river right that's what we have a tendency to think oh oh he bathed in the jordan he cleaned him there must be power in the river that must be a very special river oh he bathed seven times that must be a very special number that's Again, that's our human thinking, our human way of thinking. But that's not that's not where the power is. We know that. We know the power is in God's word and in God's promise. Bathing seven times in the Jordan cleansed Naaman only because God gave the promise that it would. And that's where the power lies. Just the same as baptism, just the same as the Lord's communion, just the same as the Bible itself. The Bible, it's just a book. So many people look at it, they say it's just a book filled with stories. It can't change people's lives, but the power of God is at work in it, in these simple, everyday things, uh, in the water of baptism, in the bread, in the wine, etc., etc. And, and here the, the, the power is in God's word here too. But notice... The power is working there through the promise of God when Naaman did what God told him to do. Now, if Naaman had only gone down six times, uh, do you think he would have come up like six, six sevenths clean? Like maybe every time he went down, uh, he got a little cleaner? No, that's not what the Bible says. It, the Bible indicates that every time he went down and came up, he was, he was still covered in leprosy until the seventh time when he had done exactly what God had told him to do then the promise was his. Uh, you know, if he'd stopped at five or stopped at six, uh, he would have gone home uh, with leprosy. And the same thing is true for us. We, we, with the sacraments, we need to do what God says. And, and you know, yeah, we can sing hymns before or do a little something afterwards. That, that's fine. But we, we need to make sure we're at least doing what God says. And, and the Lord's Supper as well. Um, you know, there's that old debate, like at what point does the bread and the wine become the body and blood of Christ? Or at what point is the body and blood of Christ present? Well, the answer is very simple. When we have done what Christ says, then his, we have what he promised, right? He says, take, eat, this is my body, this is my blood. And so when we have taken and eaten it as he directed, then we know we have the body and blood of Christ. We've received it. Exactly how we receive it, we don't really understand, but we know that we've received it. And so it's, that's why it's, it's so silly the Catholics to say, well, we said the words over it, and therefore now it is the body and blood of Christ. You didn't eat it. You didn't take and eat it. And that's what Christ says to do. Just like here, he says to Naaman, bathe seven times. And when he bathes seven times, according to the promise, he receives what was promised. When we take and eat, according to the promise, we receive what was promised. Up until that, before that point, it was, it's nothing but bread and wine. But when we have when we've done what Christ says, we receive what he promises. Now, of course, we got to be careful there, because uh, when we're talking about salvation, of course, if we say if we use that same idea, when we do what Christ says, then we'll receive salvation. Well, we're never going to do all that Christ says, you know, according to the the the, com the commandments. But there it, it's very simple. Christ says uh, who who believes will be saved. Um, so. Yeah, we, we don't want to we don't want to give the impression like well you'll be saved if you do keep all the commandments that's not what saves us but anyway when we when we 
use water in the word, that's a baptism. When we use the word with bread and wine and we take and eat it, that's communion. When, when Naaman bathed seven times and stood up, he was clean just as God promised. God gives us his blessings in these simple things. God's power is at work in these simple things. One more important thing before we go, you know, uh, we're, we're dealing with the question of leprosy here. And um, when uh, in the New Testament, many, many times the, the Gospels tell us that Jesus uh, healed lots of people, but they always especially point out leprosy. Uh, so there, there are times in the Gospel when they'll say he, he healed people of all their diseases and many lepers or something like that, where they, they kind of make leprosy kind of a separate category from other illnesses. And that comes back to what we were talking about before. And an important part of this, this story as well, that leprosy made somebody unclean. And because they were unclean, they were not able to come into the presence of God. And so leprosy is especially pointed out in the New Testament because that's what Christ came to do to make us clean and holy so that we could come before God. Uh, Naaman is made clean on the outside, but also the power of God was at work inside him as well to make him clean so he could be saved and come before God. And we see that as well, that Naaman stood up and he says, now I know there is no God in the whole world except the God of Israel. Clearly, this is a God who can answer prayers. He has power to help. And not only does he have power to help, but he uses the, the Jordan River. He uses this, this simple thing to do it. Uh, and it's not just Naaman's outer skin that's that's washed clean, but his heart as well. Uh, in, in just, just such an attitude change in Naaman before and after as well, right? When he first came, uh, he was very haughty and proud. Uh, why isn't Elisha coming out to me? You know, he goes to the, the king of Israel demanding that the king of Israel help him. Uh, but now we see this humble attitude uh, afterwards. He, he has repented and and looks to God, uh, not only for cleansing, but also for forgiveness and for salvation. And the way he comes before Elisha afterwards is a much more humble uh, attitude uh, of a man who has learned, you know, to, to bow down before the Lord. So he has cleansed inside and outside. Long gospel there. We are, all of us, whether we have leprosy or not, we are unclean and unable to come before God. Jesus is able to cleanse us and to present us as holy before the Lord. He does for, he does so through the waters of baptism, just as he cleansed Naaman through the waters of baptism. Blessing on your lessons this, uh, this, this Sunday. Um, like I said, just such a great story, such an important one. Um, hopefully, you know, your students will remember this story the rest of their lives, even if they don't remember some of the other uh, accounts that we, that we go over. They're all important, of course, but I don't know, I can't help but think this is probably one of the most important stories you're going to tell uh, at least this half of the year. And blessings on your, on your lesson. Uh, give me a call or email me if you have any questions.